0: Good morning, everybody. We're glad you're here, like Joel said. My name's Alex. I'm the, the pastor here. And I'd just like to, to welcome all of you. And uh, today I'm starting a new a series that's like part one of three. Uh, but we're doing part one today. And then we're going to do part two and three the end of December, beginning of January. So it's the first time I've started a series and then stopped it. So it's the ultimate teaser. So coming in a few weeks, you'll be able to hear a little bit more. Uh, next week, we launch our Christmas series. And we're going to spend three weeks talking about what it means to rethink Christmas and how to make the most of this season. But today we're talking about Kairos, and I'm going to jump into that a little bit in a moment. But first, I actually want to introduce uh, some new members of Ridgeview Church. And we have a membership process uh, here, and you'll see this slide, and it's called Exploring Ridgeview. And one thing that we want to do is we want to give people a chance to uh, get to know us as a church and there's like a three-step process where people can decide, like, I want to commit to Ridgeview. And that's actually what membership is when you look at becoming a part of a church. It's a formal way of making a commitment. And it's something where you say, I want to make this church go. I'm, I'm in. I want to be a part of, of what God is doing here. And so we have a group of people that have become members for the first time. And so the people I'm introducing you today, it's going to be a larger group. This is the first time that we've ever had Uh, members, because we're a new church. Uh, We started uh, last year. We had our grand opening of February of of this year. And over the last, really, year and a half, we've seen God work and bring the people uh, that we needed at just the right time. And so today, people have done this process that we have a preview class, and that's where we preview who we are and where we're headed. And uh, at Ridgeview, we want people to know that. We want them to know this is what we're about, where we're headed, and how you can be a part of that. Uh, the second step is to discover, and that's to discover our vision and our values and how you can join the team. And then the last step there, to commit, that's where you formally, once you've you've gotten this snapshot and then you've gotten this, this kind of path of of where we're headed, uh, the commitment is like, I want to join on this adventure. I want to get on the trail and kind of hike towards the adventure that, that God has for us today. And so um, I'm going to just show a bunch of names here. And if your name is on this, and if you've completed membership, I'd like you to stand and I'd like us to clap for them. So all these people, you can stand up. Come on, people, clap your hand. There we go. You guys can have a seat. And what, what this represents is uh, the team that, that has kind of formally committed, and we have a lot of our members committed that are serving in kid zone and in different areas, and so that they're not here. And so I'll recognize them uh, next week as well. But when you become a member of a church, it's not like becoming a member of some sort of country club, some elite thing that you sit and you just can enjoy things. Actually, when you become a member of a church, you're joining a team. You're actually committing to pulling your sleeves up and making something happen. And so all these people have decided to do that. And so for all of you who've decided to become members of Ridgeview, um, I just wanted to thank you for taking that step of commitment. And I really look forward to seeing what God does. Now, if you didn't stand up and you're like, how come I want to be a part of that, then this isn't like a one-time thing. This isn't like one of those Black Friday, one-time, never-again deals. Uh, You actually can be a member of Ridgeview Church as we offer these different classes. And so we're gonna offer another preview class, another Discover class uh, coming up in January. And so if you're interested in learning more about us as a church... And if you're interested in learning more about how you can commit and become a member, write Exploring Ridgeview on that connection card that Joel had you fill out. And as you write that, we'll send you some info so you can make sure you're up to date with the classes that we offer. And so we want people to be included and a part of what God is doing. So today I'm going to talk about a word and what this means for us as a church. You'll see the front of your program if everyone looks at that, and it says kairos, And how many of you this past week have used that in a sentence? Probably none of you. It's not an English word. It's actually a a Greek word, and I want to spend some time talking about that. But today is really about the opportunities that we have as a church, and Kairos is going to speak to that, and even membership and making a commitment speaks to that. There's something that God wants to do here and now in our church, in this community, and I want you to all be aware of it. And not only do I want you to not only be aware, but I want you to know how you can be a part of it. So today is kind of the beginning of part one of the vision of our church and where I see us headed this next year. So I hope that it will be informative and it will give you a sense of what God is going to do as we follow him. But also, being the week before Thanksgiving, I also want to highlight what God has already done. And he's been at work among us. And so I just want to give you kind of a snapshot of these things uh, so you're you're in with, with what's happening. And so I want to start with just this this idea of what God's been doing this past year. And the bottom line is that God is, is with us, and you'll see that on your listening outline if you're following along. But where we are in this season of church life is just this reminder and the recognition that God is with us. In fact, when we celebrate Christmas, one of the description words of Jesus is he was called Emmanuel, which actually means God with us. God sent his son to dwell on the earth and be where we are. And through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made for us, the fact that he died for our sin and his dwelling, we can be connected to God through Jesus. And so one of the things that we've experienced in Ridgeview this past year is we've stepped out to start this church is again and again the recollection and the knowledge that God is with us, he's for us, and he's leading us forward. And uh, last year, about this time, God gave me a a verse that I want to share with you because it kind of summarizes what we've experienced, and it's Isaiah 52. And it says this, and you can see it on the the screen here. For you shall not go out in haste, and you shall not go in flight, for the Lord will go before you, and the God of Israel will. Will be your rear guard. This time last year, we had had two services total of Ridgeview Church. Uh, We called them our monthly preview services where people could come once a month and kind of get a feel for who we are and what we're about. And we had four of those. And then in February, again, like I mentioned, we had our our grand opening. But this time last year, God gave me this this verse and He laid it upon my heart this sense that whatever we encounter over the course of the year and whatever we embark on, um, we have an opportunity where. really realize and understand that that we're not alone, that God is is actually with us and he's for us and he goes before us and he goes behind us. And uh, over this last year, one thing that I've experienced again and again is there's always a pull to be hasty in life. Hasty is to act and not think. How many of you do that sometimes? You act, but you don't think. And then after you act and you don't think, you start to think, why did I do that, right? That's hastiness. You want something really bad, and you make a decision to get it. And oftentimes, you haven't thought that through. You haven't thought the implications. You haven't thought through the consequences, and you just act. That's actually pretty normal. But that's also a sign of, like, immaturity. That's something that, that God wants us to grow in, like this, I don't need to be hasty. I need to actually think. I need to... take a a look at my life and see, does this make sense? From the small things to, to the big things. And in church life, the same is true. There's always times where we can be hasty and we can go ahead of God or we can bail because we're full of fear. But this past year, through all the unknown, not knowing what God is gonna do, not knowing where the resources are gonna come from, this verse has been lived out again and again that we don't need to go in haste. We don't need to go in flight. Now, flight is fear, So this is kind of a version of hastiness, but have any of you made decisions because you were afraid? You just did something to kind of protect yourself. You ever done that? I I have too. Self-preservation, self-protection. There's things that we want to do to kind of protect ourselves, and we hedge our bets, and we think, if I do this and maneuver, then somebody's not going to be able to take advantage of me, or this circumstance isn't going to overwhelm me. What you find is when you decide to follow Christ, you have to just... Pull against that hastiness to act and not think. And you have to pull against that flight. That is to run away from doing the things that God has called you to do. And as a church, we've had to continue that path as well. Like, we're not going to go in flight. We're not going to run away from challenges. We're not going to run away from opportunities. We're not going to go out in haste. And we're also not going to run in fear. And the reason that is is because God is with us, and that's the second part of the verse. That's the promise. The reason you don't have to go out in haste, and the reason we don't have to go out in flight and in fear and run is for the Lord, he goes before us, and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. It's, it's, he's got your back. He's protecting you. He's looking out for you. And so this is the promise that God, the Almighty, the Creator, the one who sent Jesus so we could have a relationship with us, protects us, and he watches over us. And again and again, as I look past this year, I have seen this to be true. For months and months, we wanted to find a facility for us to meet in. And we had a lot of difficulty finding one. It took us about nine months to find this school. And it was in that time that I felt this hastiness of, oh, what are we gonna do? Like, oh, freaking out. Like, we don't know where, you know, what the unknown and all this stuff builds but the Lord provided at just the right time. When we got into this school, uh, we didn't have a classroom. When we started the church, we didn't have a worship leader. And I've shared this before, but over time, we've seen God provide kids space, and we've seen God provide people to lead at just the right time. But in those moments, it's easy to just, again, kind of bail trusting God and go ahead of him or run away. But we've seen again and again God provide. For instance, all these people that have committed, it's crazy, like, a year ago, most of the people who are now members of the church, we didn't even know. If you think about that. And now they want to help us with what God's doing. That's the Lord's provision. He's going before us. He's drawing people to himself, and he's drawing people to his, this church. And he's behind us. He's making sure that, that he's looking out for us. And again and again, God has come through at just the right time. And so one of the things that I just want to celebrate and acknowledge before you and, and God is that, He has been with us as a church. And we have a a really a duty as a church to thank him for that. And so I just want to pray and I just want to thank God for his provision. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being with us and for the promises that you've given and the provision that you've just brought to us just in time. We thank you for what you've done. We can't manufacture Your church, we can't just build it with our own hands, but it's actually built not by hands, but by your spirit and by the power that you yourself bring. So God, as we think about things to be thankful for, we we cannot but just thank you for everything that you've done, for your mighty hand that's provided, for the direction that you've provided, for all the ways that you've come through. So we praise your holy name. We recognize that we are who we are as people and our church is what it is because of you. So we thank you for that. And we thank you for sending us Jesus who dwelled with us so that we could experience your presence in a brand new way. So God, we thank you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray, amen. So I wanted just to, to share that because it's something that, that's been just on my heart of as the year wraps up, I always get this sense of wait, we need to look back in, in thankfulness. And this phrase keeps coming to my mind. I think it's on the PowerPoint here. But just thanking God um, just for what you've done, and then we, we trust you with what's to come. This is just something that I keep thinking about. Keep thinking about. As we look past this year, it's like, God, thank you for all that you've done. And then as we look ahead to a new year, like we trust you. We trust you with what's to come. We trust you with the unknown. And we recognize that we still don't need to go out in haste and we still don't need to go out in flight because you've been with us and you will be with us. And so I just wanted to kind of let you in. If if you're new to Ridgeview, um, we've been a year in existence, but, but I also think that through time, again and again, God has come through. And the one year that we've had is setting us up for this next year of God's continued presence and provision as well. And so I want to share... Uh, kind of the next, next thing that, that's been on my heart, and it's this, is that we have big opportunities uh, before us. So God is with us, and as a church, we, we actually have big opportunities uh, before us. I want to spend some time work just walking through a passage in Ephesians 5. Uh, this is written in the New Testament, and it's a command to the people of God to live their life and to look at life in a certain way. And I'm gonna kind of go by this just word, word by word and let me read it out loud and then I'll walk it through. So look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, I wanna just keep that up on the screen and I just wanna kind of break down these different phrases because I think this allows us to know the opportunities that we have because this passage is actually talking about opportunities and making the most of our time here on this earth. And so let me just kind of walk through. If you're taking notes, you can circle things, make notes, or you can just listen. But look, anytime the scriptures say, say look at something, it's this thing of, of you pay attention, like be aware, to watch. You know, as a, as a parent, if you're ever telling your child to do something, what do you want them to do more than anything? So you know they're listening. If you're not looking at me, you're not listening, right? So I, you need to look at me. And the kids are like, I hear you. What did I say? I forgot. Wow, you for like five seconds. You for, you know, we have this thing. But in, in the scriptures, the look is the same thing of like, stop what you're doing. Pay attention, be aware. Something is about to be said that you need to hear. And so look carefully. Uh, That word carefully is like look exactly and accurately. So look carefully. So be aware, watch carefully, exactly, and accurately. This word carefully is where we get the word uh, acrobat. It's from the Greek word acrobos. An acrobat has to look very carefully, right? You ever seen the people act like on the, the little wire walking? And there's a name for that, but I haven't really thought of it. It's an acrobat. Tightrope, thank you. That's what I was looking for. But an acrobat is on a tightrope and they have to walk exactly. You don't see a, a tightrope walker like, you know, I, I could kind of go over here. I could go over there. I'll do, do what I want. You do, you, you fall. And so what the writer is saying is you need to, to look and pay attention and walk carefully. And then how you walk, that's the second part. The walk is, is living your life. So be aware, watch, pay attention exactly and accurately to how you live. When it's talking about walk, most of the time in the Bible, walk is this life. Like you're walking as you have breath in your lungs, and it denotes life. It's not just when you go somewhere like, okay, am I, am I walking? on? The, you know, don't step on the, it's not that. It's, it's actually just the way you live your life, pay attention. And it's speaking about certain things, and it, and it goes on, not as unwise, but as wise, and this is the picture of the wise versus foolish way of living. Um, the foolish person realizes or comes to the conclusion that life doesn't really matter. Our choices don't really matter. We just do what we want to do. That's a foolish approach. Because if you just do what you want to do and things don't really matter, then you're not really walking exactly. So what the writer is saying here, Paul is saying, that, you know, you've got to realize that life is a gift. You have a limited time. Uh, you can't live life haphazard, your decisions matter, your words matter, your attitude and approach to life matters. Have you ever justified something you've done and you just want to tell somebody and maybe you have told them to deal with it? You ever done that? Like you just need to deal with it. Or maybe you've told yourself, you just need to deal with it. Well, dealing with it is not really the exact life. That's kind of just, I can do whatever I want and you just have to deal with my own decisions. Well, life is actually unfair when it comes to that. Like we, we do reap what we sow. And so the writer is saying like, be careful. Don't live the foolish life. If you live the foolish life, it's gonna come back to you and you're gonna experience the fruit of that. So realize life is a gift. Be careful, pay attention. And then it goes on, making the best use of the time. Uh, making the best use is, is this idea of redeem it, redeem the time. I don't know if you've ever used that before. We don't use that most of the time in our language, like redeem. It's this, it's this buying up. You have something, and you, you want to catch it while you can. You make the most of it, you, you redeem it, you buy up. Now, this is where I'm going to get into this word time. This word time here is the Greek word kairos. So basically, on the front of your program, I could have put time, but you've been like, eh? We all got it, you know. Like, but Kairos is actually a different than just the English word "time." The English word "time" could mean a variety of things. But most of the time, it's like, "What is the time?" And we check the clock, and it's ten thirty-seven. You know, what's the time? How long is the pastor going to speak? You know, and the more I go on, the more you check your time, right? Right? Let's be real, okay? Ten thirty-seven. I'm on the clock. There's time, but this kairos word is actually different than what we're used to in time in the English language, and this is what kairos means. It's a due measure, a season, a time, a period possessed of certain characteristics. So there's time that's happening, but there's certain features to it. I wanna talk about that. Now, this is the opposite of chronos. Now, you guys know time and chronological. What month is it? What month is it? I, I almost thought it was December right then. I literally forgot what month it was. And we're at the end of what year? 2019, and then we're gonna start what year? Yeah, easy. It's like oh, you went to church, you've solved problems already, right? But that's chronological. Day, year, hour, minute, seconds. This is the definition of chronos. Denotes a space of time, whether long or short. Most of the time we live with this chronological understanding of time. We have our calendars, we have our watches, we have our alarms, then you have daylight savings and it messes it all up. By the way, I'm still jacked from that. But time, that's like our, our most of the measure. But what the writer is saying is, it's like you don't make the most of your chronological time, you make the most of your kairos time. And here's the difference between Kairos and Kronos, you put that up on the screen there. Kronos expresses the duration of a period. Kairos stresses it marked by certain features. Now I want to show a picture. This is chronological time. It looks like a clock, right? If I said, you know, put the the hand on three o'clock, you'd know where to put that on the the face. Like you kind of know how to orient based on chronological time. You can look outside and if like you were trained, you could know where the sun's position and kind of like what time it is. Kairos is this though. There's time that's going on, but then there's certain things that happen which are marked by opportunity. Kairos time is the opportunities that we have in life. Kairos is actually the way that God tells time. God tells time from opportunity to opportunity. We tend to tell time chronologically. He tells time kairos. So what that means for us, if you're a follower of Christ, and for us as a church, we want to know when these kairos moments are. We want to pay attention to them. We want to accurately live so we're ready to redeem them. We want to be wise so that we can see when they're coming, and then we want to know what to do when they are here. There's actually, I don't have a picture of this, but there's this Greek statue of this opportunity where the statue has long hair in the front, and it's this picture in, in Greek like mythology of the, the statue of opportunity. It's long hair in the front, and he's bald in the back. Now, that, I'm not saying that's like a new style that you should do, but the, the picture of opportunity is if you don't redeem it as it's coming to you, if you, you don't see it and you don't reach for it in front, if you let it pass, what do you grab onto? Nothing. And oftentimes, that's what happens in our life. Specifically, when you want to make your life count for the kingdom of God, we struggle with that haste. We struggle with that fear and that flight. And we're not paying attention. And opportunities are before us, and we let them pass. And we look as they're passing and be like, I should have done that. And as we reach for it, we cannot grab. We're just grabbing the air. And so, our Kairos is a church. An opportunity as a church is we have big opportunities before us, but we have to seize them before they're gone. And I'm going to share uh, some of what those, what those are, but I want to ask this question. How do we make the best use of the opportunities before us? That's a question we should all ask. If an opportunity is here and then it's gone, how do we make the most of that? How do we make sure that it doesn't pass without us redeeming it or without us buying it up? And as a church and even in life, this is where opportunity and values intersect. The way you know whether you should buy up an opportunity is based on does this fit your goal and your priorities in life, your values. An opportunity is only an opportunity if this is what you want. If this sees like this is the direction, this is something where you want your life to be. And so for Christ's Christ follower, you're always coming to that place. And Jesus always leads to that place where we have to ask the question, is my life about him? And knowing him and helping others to know him, is my life about that? And if it is, there's opportunities. If it's not and your opportunities are just filled with your own goals and your own agenda, then those are the only opportunities you see. And so part of what God wants us to do as he gets hold of our life is for us to look differently at what's really important. And as we look differently at what's important, we see different opportunities. For instance, if if my role in my life is just to build my own career and to build as much wealth as I can, those are the opportunities that I'm gonna see, career advancement and wealth management. Those are the opportunities I'm gonna see. But if I'm looking to not just build my career but make a difference for the kingdom of God and to love people like Jesus loved, then those opportunities could be different. My decisions are different, and now I have to make a choice. That's what the writer is saying in Ephesians. You, you have to pay attention to these things, because if we just live our life without thinking, it's lost. And so our values, they're, they're shared convictions. I think I've got that up on the PowerPoint. Values are shared convictions that guide our actions and reveal our strengths. So I want to spend a little bit of time talking about our values, but. The reason it's important is values guide our actions. And when they guide our actions, it tells us which opportunities we should do. Do you ever get paralyzed from decisions you need to make because you don't know? I could do this, I could do that. What do I do? Do you ever feel like that? I know I do. And you just, you can't move forward because you just get that point like, I could go this way, I could go that way. And you're just stuck in the middle. So I'll just stay here. Well, values is what helps you. Okay, no, This is what's really important. And since this is really important, I can filter towards this direction. So I hope this gives you a sense of the values that we have as a church. I want to spell those out, and then I want to kind of apply those practically. Now, these are our values as a church. They don't mean it's your values for your life, although they could be the same values. But this is just, as a church, what we want to be true about us. And so I'm going to put those up there. Ridgely's values, uh, we're cohesive and we team together. That's one of our values. The reason I say that is like anytime there's an opportunity for us to grow our cohesion and the ability for us to team, we wanna do that. As we grow as a team, we're living out opportunities because that's one of our values. The second value we have is that we're proactive. We have a can-do attitude. So if there's things that we feel we need to do, but we don't know how it's gonna work out or we don't know God's, you know, Exactly going to provide, but it's leading this way of faith, then we want to be proactive in that and so just because it's hard doesn't mean we say no, just because we don't know the results doesn't mean we say no because there's a part of we, we want to have a can do like we can see what God will do as we step forward, so we're proactive the third is is we're welcoming we want to uh, we want people to feel welcome and included if there's ever an opportunity for our Church, to expand people feeling welcome and feeling included, being involved in what we're doing, those are opportunities that we want to buy up. Anytime we can expand involvement, allow people to be a part of what we're doing, people to be a part of the vision of where we're headed, those are opportunities we want to buy up. And then the last value we have is we're expanding. We want to help multiply churches and ministries. The idea here is, as a church, we want to make sure that we are growing Because as we're growing, more people are being helped. More people are finding the hope in Jesus. And as more people are helped and find the hope in Jesus, then more people are doing what God wants them to do. They're living the life he's called them to. They're finding purpose. And the more that they're doing that and finding purpose and are on mission with God, the more that he uses them in the world. And the more that he uses them in the world, the more people find hope and the more people find Jesus. And you could see that's the expansion that we, we want. We don't want this just to be Ridgeview Church. Let's get as big as we can, but Ridgeview Church, let's help people come to know Jesus and make a difference in their world right where they are. And so all of these values, cohesion, proactive, welcoming, expanding, these are what help us filter our kairos, our season of opportunity. And so this past year, as we look back, God has been with us. There's no doubt in my mind. And if you've experienced God here at Ridgeview, it's because of that. It's not because of any of us, but the fact that he is with us. And the other thing is just as true is that we do have big opportunities before us. Now, big doesn't just mean grand in size. It means just opportunities for a life to change. Because anytime one life changes, that's big, according to the kingdom of God. And so we have big opportunities to be a part of more lives changed And that's our kairos. He's with us. We have big opportunities before us. And then the last season of opportunity we have is this. We move with boldness in us. So there's some things that God has before us as a church that we have an opportunity to be bold in, to choose courage, to choose to rely on him and to see what he does. So if you're not a part of Ridgeview or new to Ridgeview, this is a little bit different of a message because you're kind of on the outside looking and and seeing, what is this about? but What I hope to do, if that is you, is is to give you a taste of like, this is what's important to us and this is the direction we have. And one of our biggest goals is we want you to not just be on the outside looking and saying, oh, that's really neat. Or maybe that's scary or whatever your reaction is, but we want you to kind of look and say, where's the door to this thing and how can I come through and be a part? Because again, what's one of our values is we're welcoming and we wanna include And so as I'm talking about this, I hope that this gives you a sense of what we're about and how you can join in and and what we're doing. And so I want to just share just this moving into the future uh, with boldness. And this is a little bit of my vision for 2020. So I'm talking chronologically at the end of this year, but I want the filter to be the kairos of what God wants to do this season of time. Uh, anytime you move with boldness to do what God asks you to do, you, you move with boldness, and the second thing is you always move with prayer because prayer is what drives the boldness into us it 's the sense of we have to remember that he 's with us. It goes back to the beginning he 's our rear guard, and he goes before us. So we move with boldness because we we recognize that, and so prayer is just the reminder of God, I need you i 'm desperate." for your direction, for your power, for your help. I can't do this alone. And that's really where we are as a church. And that's actually really where every church should be. To this point where we want to move with boldness, but God, we need you to continue to go before us and we need you to continue to protect us. But we can move with boldness because that is true. That is who God is. This has actually been true since the beginning of the movement of Christianity. Jesus came, and I'm just gonna give like a brief snapshot, but Jesus came to this earth. And if you've read any of the Bible, you know that he came and he started his public ministry at around 30, and he taught about the kingdom of God. He healed people. He told them that he was the Messiah. He gave parables, he gave lessons, and he died. He was killed, actually. He was crucified because the religious leaders, the Roman government, just came to the point where it was just better to kill him than to let him live. And it was also a part of the prophecies that he would die. So he came on this earth to teach us, to show us the way to God, but also to die for our sins. And he did. But he just didn't stay dead in the tomb. He rose again and he resurrected. The whole movement of Christianity isn't just that Jesus died. It's that he rose again on the third day and came back to life. In any other religion of the world, that's not the case. So Jesus and the resurrection, in the resurrection makes all the difference. And so as we look back in history, you see what happened after he rose again, and his people decided he came back to life. All the things that he'd said, now there's credence, now there's, there's power, now it's real because they denied him, they they weren't quite sure, they scattered, they were in flight, they were in haste. The whole movement of Christianity when he was crucified was done. And then he came back to life and the troops began to rally. He's risen, he is here. The movement continues. The light penetrates the darkness, let's join in. And Jesus came back, people could see him and there's eyewitnesses and eyewitnesses and eyewitnesses that saw him come back to life. And these people, because of what they'd seen, were willing to die for their faith. And many in the first centuries, the early Christians that were called little Christs because they followed him, they were killed because of their faith. But I wanna read this account of Peter and John who were two of Jesus' closest followers and they made the most of their time. Now in Acts 4, uh, 4.13, I wanna just walk through the context. It says, now when they saw, the people they who were watching them were the Jewish leaders, religious leaders. There was this whole concern of this movement of Christianity and how it was gonna shake up the religious order of the time. The Romans were kind of concerned how it was gonna shake up the political structure. So all these people in high, powerful positions began to see this movement of Christianity and were highly concerned. They began to conspire, like, how do we stop this thing? We stopped Jesus, but he came back to life, and now there's more power. The very thing we thought was going to end it is now the fuel. And these religious leaders, notice what they see. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. Listen to that next verse or that next line there. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. There are so many different parts of this but notice the thing that they saw at the beginning was their boldness. They were moving with this courage and this power that was like unknown to them. And then Luke, the writer, is saying, but their boldness isn't because of their education, and their boldness isn't because of their experience or their skill or their intelligence or their wisdom. Their boldness is tied to the fact that they had been With Jesus, these were uneducated, common men, and they were blown away. So to be a part of a movement that God wants to do, here and now, fast forward to our church and the opportunity that we have, we cannot be a part of it without boldness that God gives us. And the way that God gives us the boldness is that we have to be where he is. We have to do what he wants. We have to trust him with the unknown. And we do that knowing that he's with us. And there's big opportunities. There's seasons and kairos before us that he's allowing us to be a part of. And so today, just like a couple thousand years ago for Peter and John, we have the opportunity to be a part of the biggest adventure on the face of the earth. Expanding God's kingdom, bringing his light into the darkness. And there's nothing more worthwhile than that. So in Acts 4, verse 17... They they noticed it, and then they got concerned. But in order that it may spread no further, they're talking about the message of Jesus, the movement of Christianity, among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Now, we read that, but could you imagine Peter and John were his closest followers, had seen him killed, denied him, ran away from him. Then he comes back to life, and it changed everything. And the religious leaders are like, hey, guys, I just want you to pretend like that didn't happen. Could you imagine? I just want you to, just for a moment, just not say anything and just act like that's all pretend. No, because they had been with Jesus. They could not unsee and unlearn and unexperience all that they'd been a part of. And it's the same today. We look back and we're like, oh, man, to be there, but God is with us right now, and the light is with us if you're a follower of Christ. And if you're not a follower of Christ, he wants to bring the light into your darkness, and he wants to change your world, just like he did 2,000 years ago. And then it goes on in verse 19, and I love this, but Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. What a beautiful answer. Do what you have to do. That's that's for you to do. They're, they're not trying to control them. They're not to tell them, no, leave us alone, but do what you have to do. But we can't forget what Jesus did. And we can't forget what he said. They are describing the real relationship with Jesus that we can all have if we turn to him and trust in him. And not only can we have it, but if we do turn to trust in him and we hand over our life to him, there's this new life that Peter and John are describing where it doesn't matter what happens to you. It doesn't matter what comes against you. You're gonna continue to follow Jesus because he's changed your life. And I don't know where you are, but I need to be reminded of this because I get so caught in my own context and the different things that I have to do that I forget that Jesus wants to work here and now in us And then he wants to work through us. And I just want to describe this to you just so we can remember, like we follow Jesus just like they did. And Jesus' presence is known to us just like it was to them. And so we can be bold. We can move forward because he's with us and there's opportunities that he wants us to buy up. And so in closing, I just want to, briefly talk about the opportunities that we have. In your program, there's a card that says Kairos on it. If you guys can pull that out. And I'm gonna have this over the next few weeks because again, part two and part three, December 29th and January 5th. But this is just a preview of what I'm gonna be talking about. I'm giving you the big picture and then I wanna get into the specifics of this. But I wanna describe this, this boldness and the Kairos and God being with us all in one and give you a picture of where I think God's leading us. And so there's some statement here, and I'm just going to briefly close on these. So here's the opportunities that I see, these seasons, these red marks of opportunities on our time. First is let's be bold as we team together. We're cohesive, and we refuse isolation. One of the key opportunities that we have as a church is to offer to people the fact that they don't have to be alone. I don't know about you, but I think that's one of the most powerful things we can offer to people. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be isolated. You don't have to be just trying to figure out life. And so we can be cohesive as a team, and we refuse that isolation, that that pull to just kind of distance ourselves. We all have that. We just want to pull away, and then we pull away. And before we know it, the thing that we want to be a part of is in the distance in the distance and we can't get to it. And so this this opportunity that we have is like, let's team together as a church. Let's actually serve each other, share what's going on with each other. Let's be in groups together. All of these opportunities as we enter this new year is a new opportunity to team, to not just be caught in our own world, but to include others, specific people in this church. So that's the first opportunity I see. The second, again, these are tied to our values. Let's be bold as we trust God with the unknown. What that means is we're, we're proactive, that can do, and we refuse fear. There is so much I don't have any clue about related to my life and related to this church, and I'm leading it. Isn't that scary? But that's the truth. We've, I've shared this a little bit, but like we've ran out of space in our kids, in our kid zone. I can't manufacture space. I've thought about it. I've thought about like circus tents, RVs, buses. I get these out of my system before I present it to parents. But I've thought of all, like, but I can't manufacture space. But God can. He can provide. And so one of the opportunities is is like, we don't have to give in to fear. We can trust that he's going to come through and he already has, and he's gonna continue. Uh, The third is let's be bold in how we include others. Uh, So we're welcoming and we refuse seclusion. Now, seclusion is what we can tend to do as a group. In any group that you have where people know each other, it becomes this like tight-knit circle. Now, tight-knit circle is great when you're in it. It's terrible when you're not, right? Have you ever been left out? Even as a grown man, if I'm left out and I wasn't invited to something, my feelings get hurt. I'll be real. I'm not thinking like, oh, I'm really happy for them. My instinct is like, well, I wonder if the text didn't go through. (laughs) Because I want to be a part of it. And as a church, we have this, you know, the isolation is individually we pull away. Seclusion is as a group, we just focus on ourselves. The opportunity that we have as God continues to move us into the future is, is this, that, that we can include others and we can invite them into our church. There's a few opportunities that we have just in the next few weeks that we've been talking about. Um, there's some slides here, I think, for different events. We, we're launching a new series next week. How many people in your life like Christmas? most, right? Have you ever thought to invite them to learn more about Christmas? Invite them to church? There's an opportunity where you can live out this opportunity of season to include somebody because of the season of church and Christmas. And how could I invite? And so you can invite people to the Christmas service that we have. We have the ornament exchange. How many of you, if you're a woman, know women that, that like ornaments? I don't know if you'd ever ask, like, do you hate ornaments? You probably don't know if they don't, but most women would like that. Hey, would you like to be in a space without kids with other women where you can eat treats and get a free gift? I'm like out of my zone. I've never been to this event, but I imagine most would like to come. There's a season, there's a Kairos opportunity to invite to that. On December 6th, it's gone. So events, like what we're doing around this time of year, there's, there's Seasons to Invite, the Finance Seminar. There's just people that are stuck, that are overwhelmed what to do with their money. There's an opportunity to invite. So this, this idea of like, we're not just focused on the events for ourselves. We do these things to include others. That's why we do them. We wanna help our people, but we also wanna bring new people in. And then we have our Christmas service on December 22nd. There are so many people that don't have a relationship with Jesus that love Christmas services because it feels like something they should do. And as a church, sometimes we spend so much time prepping for the Christmas service, we forget to invite people to the Christmas service. And this is what I have to remind myself all the time. People don't come to things they're not invited to, right? So you have to invite opportunities to invite. These are seasons where we can buy those up. And so that's part of what we can do and we can continue to do as a church. So one thing I just want to ask you is who are the people in your life that you can invite to church? Who are the people in your life that are looking for hope, that need help, that need encouragement? God has placed you in a unique opportunity to invite them. I can't invite them. I don't know them but you do, and that's why we do flyers. Do you know we don't have flyers just so we like recycle them or use as coasters? We have flyers so you can invite because that's the opportunity that's connected to our values, and that's that's why we do it. And so I wanna just close with with some next steps uh, for you, and these are just things that you can do uh, this next week. I'm gonna invite the band to come up, and we're gonna receive our offering in a moment. Every week we do these next steps because part of buying up opportunities is actually applying what we learn. And I think one of the hardest things in the Christian life and in life in general is to actually take a step of action, right? It's hard to do. And so these next steps are ways that you can take a specific action. And here's three things. You can mark these on your connection cards. If you've not yet finished filling out the connection card, go ahead and do that. And you can drop that in the offering as it comes by. But here, here, here they are. So the first is thank God for, for being with us. Um, it could be you could thank God for being with you this past year. It could be thank God for being with us as a church. But this week, as we approach Thanksgiving, there's so much to be thankful for, but we especially want to thank God. And so that could be a next step you want to take. The second is pray for the opportunities before us. I just want to ask, could you pray for Ridgeview? That God will allow us to buy up the opportunities that we have. The opportunities to continue to welcome people, to include people, to trust God with the unknown, to expand, to help more people come to Christ. Could you pray for those things? And then the last is ask God to put boldness in us. Just ask Him, God, will you fill me with your courage so I can make the most of the opportunities? And a step to that is, as I've talked about the different things that we have, but think through this, invite blank to blank. Is there somebody you can invite to something that we're doing? Invite someone to something. And just ask God, this next week, give me boldness to invite them. And see what God does. Again, it's an opportunity. And as we buy it up, God acts. So again, this is part one. I'm going to get into more specifics of this as we close out the year. But I hope this has been a help to you to just give a snapshot of where we've been and, and where we're headed. And again, I'm just so grateful for what God has done. And I'm grateful for all of you uh, for being here and being a part of it. If you're new and you've never met me before, I'm going to be hanging out to the side and I'd love to meet you. Let, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the boldness that you give us, for the examples of people in Scripture that could not stop speaking and sharing of what they've seen and what they've heard. And God, you want to act and you do act. You're not passive. You are active in our world and you want to be active in our lives. So God, I pray that we'll see what you're up to, that we'll pay attention to what you're doing. And as a church that will trust you with the future, that will continue to expand and reach people and trust you with the things that we don't know and then thank you as you come through. So God, I'm just so honored to be able to be a part of your kingdom and what you're doing here on this earth. Fill us with just gratefulness and gratitude and courage. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.